0: Read to you um, a passage of scripture from Luke chapter two, this morning, um, starting at verse twenty-five. Luke chapter two, and verse twenty-five. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was eighty four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Last week, we finished our series on Nehemiah, and we finished on and spoke about the unresolved chord. And David said to me as we were leaving that morning, I thought you were going to tell the story of the composer Um, and the unresolved chord. I said, oh, I haven't heard that one. Uh, So I looked it up this week, and um, I found various versions of the story. There's the story of, some uh, say it was the composer Rubinstein, some say it was Rossini, some say it was Mozart. But the story goes that he would struggle, or he would not get out of bed in the morning, And so his wife would go up and sit on the piano and she would play an unresolved chord that would bother her husband so much (laughs) as he lay in bed listening to this unresolved chord that he would have to get out of bed and go down to the piano and finish the sequence and finish the chord and uh, get rid of that tension. Uh, It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said... The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. The Latin verb uh, word "adventus" means coming or arrival, and there is a, a waiting, a longing for the coming of a Messiah. For the satisfaction of our longing and the quieting of our restless, sin-sick souls that we are thinking about in this Advent time. To practice Advent, says Harrison Warren, is to lean into an almost cosmic ache, our deep, wordless desire for things to be made right, and the incompleteness we find in the meantime. That's what we were talking about last week the incompleteness, the waiting, the longing, the cosmic ache that we all find ourselves feeling at times. And our passage today that I've just read for you speaks of that longing and that waiting for the Christ, for the Messiah, for Jesus, the anointed one of God. We come across these two old characters, these two old saints, Simeon and Anna, who had been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Anointed One of God, for the Messiah, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the redemption of the people. In Luke 22, 25 to 38, we we read about these two characters that I've just read. verse 25, this man in Jerusalem called Simeon. And we read about him that he was righteous, he was devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. To console someone is to comfort them. He was waiting for Israel to be comforted, for the comfort of God to come to this oppressed people, for this people that were in bondage, this people that we were talking about throughout the story of Nehemiah and throughout all of the Old Testament, who kept failing, who kept faltering, who kept breaking the covenant, who kept being oppressed by foreign peoples, who were waiting for this consolation, this comfort. And then in, in, in later in that passage, 36 and 38, we read about the prophetess Anna. And, and she came up to them uh, and to the parents and holding Jesus and, and she gave thanks to God and she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to, waiting, longing for the redemption of Jerusalem. People waiting for comfort, for consolation. People waiting for salvation for redemption, everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue them, consolation or comfort, redemption or salvation, both were looking and longing to God to do something, to come, all who were waiting for the resolution of that imperfect chord that had been playing for so many decades and so many centuries. Consolation, as I say, means the comfort received by a person after a loss or a disappointment. And we read uh, throughout the Old Testament of this promise to the people of God through Isaiah and through other prophets who were promised the comfort of God, the consolation of God. In, in Isaiah 40, when the people of God are struggling under the yoke of their own failings and their own sin, the word of the Lord comes to Isaiah and he says, comfort comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and tell her that her sad days are gone, her sins are pardoned, and I have punished her in full for all her sins. The word of the Lord comes through Isaiah and Isaiah speaks forcefully to the people of God. He tells them where they're going wrong and why again they've broken the covenant, but the the words of God come through Isaiah, and it rises up within him. Speak comfort to these people. Speak comfort to them. Speak tenderly to them. To this broken, sin-sick people, speak comfort into their lives. And then we read in Isaiah forty-nine thirteen: "Shout for joy, O sky! Rejoice, O earth! Let the mountains give a joyful shout, for the Lord consoles his people and shows compassion to the oppressed." This promise of of, of consolation, of comfort, is found throughout the Old Testament. It's coming. It's coming to this people, this uh, sawtooth people, this sin-sick people, these covenant breakers, uh, these sustained failures. This resolution is coming. This comfort is coming. It's a longing for healing. It's a longing for restoration. It's that cosmic ache that we read about there by uh, the, the commentator Harrison. It's, it's what uh, Bonhoeffer was talking about in, in our longing, in our brokenness, the waiting for some sense of the comfort and the consolation and the tenderness of a God who reaches out to us. I saw this week, I was watching a video of a, of a, 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 um, a, a documentary of a man called Carl. I don't know if you saw it. He was... He was um, affected by the 7-7 bombings uh, that happened on the 7th of July 2005 in London. If you remember, the the bombs that went off on the tube stations and on the buses in London that day. And Carl was caught in the blast of one of these bombs in one of the tubes underground, in in the underground. And he describes very powerfully to the camera uh, his experience of that moment. He said it went completely dark and completely black and completely silent after this bomb went off. And he said, I remember lying in the darkness and I remember this cry coming up from within me, this sob. He said that was within me, Just I started to sob and I thought this is how I'm going to die. And as he lay in the darkness uh, and c- crying, uh, a voice of a woman nearby spoke out into the darkness and said can I hold your hand can I hold your hand and she reached across, and these two people are lying there in the tube holding each other's hand and and this documentary is about the 15 years that Carl has spent trying to find this woman who held his hand in the darkness in the tube after the bomb went off and as he lay there he said to this woman this is how we're going to die this is how we're going to die and she said we're not going to die we're going to get out of this. And then he said these words and I I heard them on the documentary, he said, it felt like forever that we were just waiting in the darkness. It felt like forever we were just waiting. And then I remember the driver's door opened and it was just like the light of heaven opening up in front, piercing this darkness, piercing the acrid smoke it was like the light of heaven came on, he said, and, and, and freedom lay ahead of us. It felt like forever that we were just waiting. And then it was like the light of heaven came. This is the gospel story. This is the story of Advent. This is the story of Christmas. It felt like forever that we were waiting. We were waiting for the consolation of Israel. We were waiting for the redemption of the people of God, waiting in the darkness And then a God revealing light. And this is what we need. This is what we still need. This is what people need today more than they've ever needed it. As much as they've ever needed it. We need the comfort of God. We need the comforter of God to come to us. The peace that we've been hearing about this morning. That people are so desperate to find. This is what we've been waiting for. It felt like forever that we were waiting Listen to the words of old Simeon. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. This is the consolation or the comfort that God brings, that God brought as Christ came to this earth. It was comfort, not just a a there, there comfort, a consolation, everything's going to be all right. It was so much more than that. It was God reaching down into the brokenness and the inability of a people to solve this ache, this waiting, this longing that Jesus fulfilled. And it was what Simeon was waiting for. And in this prophetic moment in the temple as he looks at the child Jesus, he sees that here is the Messiah, here is the Anointed One. My eyes have seen, I've seen with my own eyes the salvation, the consolation of the people of Israel. It was a momentous moment of the resolution of this chord, this imperfect chord. The tension finally released. But then comes Anna, this old prophetess and she speaks not only of comfort but she speaks of redemption of salvation there was also a prophetess Anna and coming up to them at that moment she gave thanks to God and she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem remember last week we were looking at Jerusalem and these restored walls and the uh the dancing on the walls, and, but then chapter 13 of the end of our story of Nehemiah and the brokenness of the people and their inability to keep the covenant and inability to keep the things they'd agreed to, to do. And, and yet here comes this promise of redemption, the redemption of Jerusalem. And this is what Isaiah was talking about as he prophesied to a defeated and ejected, dejected and oppressed Israel, We read in Isaiah how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. The watchmen shout and sing with joy, for before their very eyes they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has demonstrated his holy power before the eyes of all the nations. All the ends of the earth will see the victory of our God. That's Isaiah 52. The promise that com- comes through the prophet for the comfort and the redemption of the people of Israel. Comfort, consolation, redemption. The Lord has redeemed Jerusalem and this from Psalm 130 which is the psalm that we'll be meditating on this week in our morning devotions, Uh, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning, Israel put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. The waiting of the psalmist, the waiting of the prophets, the waiting of the people throughout the Old Testament. But with him is unfailing love, which is hesed, the unfailing love of God, which never fails us. And with him is full redemption. Anna spoke to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is what Isaiah was talking about. This is what the psalmists were talking about. This is what Zechariah was singing about. In Luke 1, 68, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and he has redeemed his people. Zechariah sings in prophecy. This is what we have been waiting for. This is who we have been waiting for. And so after all these years of unresolved and unfinished business of a, of a failing covenantal relationship between the people and God, resolution comes. And as we wait on the balance of that unresolved chord that has played for so long, we come to the hills outside of Jerusalem, outside of Bethlehem, and we read this in the Gospels, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And now the unresolved cord The tension is finally resolved as the angels fill in the missing note, bringing perfect cadence as they begin to sing. The angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. Redemption and salvation and comfort. And this is what Simeon was waiting for and what he saw and this is what Anna and so many in Israel were waiting for and now saw before their very eyes. I was watching a video this week by Rob Parsons of care for the family and he told a story which in and of itself was fairly innocuous and it um, didn't really say that much but he, he said he, um, he was looking after his grandchildren and uh, as often was the case, his grandparents, his wife said, go into the cake shop and buy them some cakes, buy them some treats. So he went in and he bought, for his five grandchildren, he bought five gingerbread men, which reminded him of his own childhood. He wrapped these gingerbread men in the brown paper bag and then uh, he put them in the car And then he forgot. He forgot that he had them and he forgot to give them to his grandchildren. So the next day he gets back into his car and he finds a bag of five gingerbread men. So he grabs them and he gets his keys, he puts the gingerbread men on top of his car while he's sorting himself out and then he whizzes off to deliver them to the grandchildren. He gets to the grandchildren's house and he finds that there are no gingerbread men. (laughs) Because they've been strewn all across the road en route to the grandchildren. Because he forgot that he'd put them on top of his car. It's obviously a grandfather having a senior moment. And so he retraced his steps and he said, there I found lying in the road this gingerbread man. <laughs> lying strewn, lying prostrate in the road. And I picked up this sodden gingerbread man and I put him in the bag. And then I retraced my steps a bit further, he said, and I found another one, but this one had had its eyes pecked out by a bird. So I picked it up and its currentless face and I put it in the bag. And then he recollected all of these gingerbread men. I think at one point he was on the verge of giving them to his grandchildren, but I think his wife intervened at that point. (laughs) But then he made this point, and this was his point the point of his story he said every every person needs a little rescuing somewhere along the road every one of us needs a little rescuing somewhere along the road <laughs> we're all kind of lying strewn we've all got our stuff going on we all of us need the comfort and the redemption of god every one of us needs rescuing somewhere along the road. I was thinking last week when I talked of the unresolved cord and the longing for resolution and our need of a saviour as I was saying that and as I thought about it afterwards, I was thinking of those among us who are troubled about their kids, worrying about their son, anxious about their daughter. I was thinking of those who are facing ill health and old age. I was thinking of those who are bowed down and weighed down, those who are mentally and physically fatigued. No lesser person than Amanda Owen, the Yorkshire shepherdess, said in an interview this week, I think the tiredness that a lot of people feel, me included, is one of mental fatigue. And over the years we've all sung The nation's favorite carol, and we'll be singing it again this Christmas Eve, I'm sure. Oh, holy night. But the last couple of years, the four words of that song that have really stood out to me are, The Weary World Rejoices. When Jesus was born under less than ideal circumstances 2,000 years ago, he was born into a weary world. And since the fall of mankind, the Jewish people had been awaiting their Messiah. They'd experienced slavery, and they'd experienced famine and war. They'd spent years wandering in the desert. They'd endured generations of anxiety and uncertainty as they watched and waited and wondered. When would their king arrive? When would redemption come? When would they, at long last, see a light at the end of a very dark and weary tunnel? And on the night of our Savior's birth, we brought with him, as the song says, a thrill. He brought with him a, a thrill of hope. O oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious dawn. I wonder those who are weary, those who are downcast, where will you look for comfort and for salvation? Make it personal like Simeon and say, my eyes have seen your salvation my eyes have seen your salvation that it's a personal thing it's a personal connection with God remember the words of Carl the bombing victim it felt like forever that we were waiting and then I remember it was just like the light of heaven opening up in front and the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. And the words of Jesus, Come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I I'm humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In a few moments, we're going to break bread together. But the words that came to us today was, there's no reason for anyone to stay outside, outside of the Holy of Holies, outside of that temple curtain that was torn, that intimate place with God. And you, like Simeon, and you, like Anna, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can say my my eyes have seen the salvation of God. We've been waiting for this consolation, this comfort. We've been waiting for this redemption, this salvation. And we've been waiting at two levels. We've been waiting at the macro level, the story of the Bible, the longing and waiting since Genesis and the fall of mankind and the promise of a Messiah yet to come in Genesis 3. We've been waiting through all of the prophets and all of the covenants that have been given by God. All through the Old Testament, we've been waiting through the Psalms and those that speak of waiting for God and redemption and salvation and looking forward to a Messiah. We've been waiting and waiting until this angelic proclamation, until the chord drops in, until the song is sung, that salvation has come now to a people. And it is through Jesus, a Savior who is born to save his people from their sins. That's the story of the Bible it is our story. But at a personal level, I would speak to you this morning. And as we spoke last week and as we're speaking today and as we come to the Lord's table, there's no reason for anyone to wait outside. But to come in and to receive the full redemption. It's full, it's full redemption, it's unfailing love. It's it's love that never fails or lets us down. It is the comfort not of a of an individual or a person. It is the comfort of God. It is the revelation of His Spirit. It is the forgiveness of sins. It is the redemption of our souls. And you can say, like I can say, like we can say, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. It's a personal thing that we can apply to ourselves this morning as we come to a Savior. And the Lord has come, Adventus. His coming is a rival. He's come the first time. And what we do when we break bread together, we remember, we remember his coming. We remember that he came to die for us and to forgive us for our sins. But we also look forward to his second coming. We're waiting, we're still waiting. We're waiting for that second coming, for that consummation of the kingdom of God. We're waiting for the full introduction of a new heaven and a new earth. We're still waiting with this cosmic ache All creation is longing for God. And we find ourselves still longing in our imperfections and our sin. We still long for his coming. As we come to the table this morning, we are between these two places. We remember his coming. We wait for his coming. And we thank him for his coming and his forgiveness. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. And I'm going to invite you to come (laughs) to Jesus to come and know that you are forgiven and cleansed and made right with God and as I painted those various scenarios I'm sure there are many more but you can come to God for his comfort for the comfort and the consolation of God you can come for his redemption and his salvation so why don't you close your eyes and pray with me Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have come. The light of heaven did open up and came into the darkness. The people walked in darkness, but now they have seen a great light. We thank you for these angelic proclamations on those hillsides in ancient Palestine, that a Savior has been born, good news, great joy. Thank you for these ancient Uh, saints, these old saints, these saints, Simeon and and Anna, they had been waiting, fasting, worshipping for decades, waiting for the consolation and the redemption of Israel. And Lord, there is in each one of us, I guess, at this time, a longing, a waiting. Perhaps it is for personal situations. Perhaps it is for our child. Perhaps it is for our parents, for the loved one that is far from you, for the person who is struggling with ill health or old age or a sense of loss and I pray this morning that you would come with a sense of consolation, of comfort, of peace. I pray that you would come Lord with full redemption, salvation. You save our souls. I pray Lord that we would lean into you, take hold of your hand and find our comfort, our hope, our rest, and our salvation in you. And as we come now around your table, the Lord's table, we pray, Lord, that you would meet with us here, and none of us would stay outside, but each would come to that intimate place with you.